This is the Straight Dope, episode 81. I'm going to talk a little bit about my plans to handload in 2023. Before I do that, I want to remind you that to support the podcast, you can go to riflecraft.com and get a subscription. That helps the podcast, it helps the website, helps a whole lot of things. You get a shirt, got some new shirts, the card shirts are up there, and you can do some other stuff. Um... I'm going to tell you right now that if you shoot factory ammo, which is what I've done for the last couple of years exclusively, one of the best places that you can order it consistently with the same lots is Mile High Shooting. So go over to Mile High Shooting and check out their supply of factory ammo and order some. I've been testing out the Zeiss scope, so if you're ready to pull the trigger on a Zeiss scope, the uh, the S5 and the S3 series. I really am liking the S3s. They are available there. You can um, email Randy at myhighshooting.com and try to get yourself one of those. They're in the $2,000 range and are out shooting that price point by a wide margin. Let's talk about why I'm going to load in 2023 and how I am approaching the idea of loading in 2023. First, by telling you that I spent a couple years loading before COVID and did all sorts of tests. I did ladder tests, seating depth tests, you know, all the crazy brass stuff, different primers, different ways to measure it. I did all sorts of stuff and in those tests that I followed based on protocols that I read online, read in books, watched YouTubes, talked to people, <clears throat> I saw a lot of the stuff that they talk about, right? You, you do whatever the string is, whatever the protocol, you get to see some of that stuff. And usually after a couple hundred rounds, you kind of settle on a load and a charge and a seating depth and whatever, and then you go shoot. Uh, in doing that, I also developed carbon rings, um, wasted a lot of time and money and, and, and felt like I, I learned quite a bit, but I also realized that there was like the other side of the story was when I grabbed factory ammo, I didn't think anything about any of that stuff. If it shot, it shot. If it didn't, it didn't. And, um, I realized that most of the equipment that I had shot factory ammo great and When I was going to use it at a competition, I would just chronograph it and and I would plug in my ballistic data to my calculator and then I would just go shoot it. So the last couple of years, that's what I've done. Since then, and since I was shooting factory ammo, I decided to test tuners because when you put weight on the barrel, obviously it changes something, right? There's a tangible and noticeable difference sometimes when you put something else on the end of a barrel and it changes how it shoots a little bit. And I could see that when I put uh, Area 419 Hellfire brake on it, and then I put a suppressor on it. Or I swapped the Hellfire for a little bastard or a fat bastard, or something else. And one of the biggest differences with those brakes, I mean, obviously they break differently, but is the mass that's on the end. And you can see that it changed the point of impact on paper at 100 yards a little bit. And sometimes I would see a change in the group size. And with those devices, the group size change was fairly consistent. So I thought, wow, this is pretty cool. I'm going to see if the factory ammo that doesn't shoot very well can be tuned up with a tuner. And you could see when you go through those shooting protocols of the tuners, 
a lot of them call for a lot of testing, right? It kind of matches the round count of low development in the first place. And you can see, wow, the group size is changing up and down, up and down. But <clears throat> I think one of the things that we fail to realize is that there's some variability anyway in the shooting that we're doing. And to attribute one cause to one effect with very minimum numbers of shots, we could be missing things. And I'm not going to go into a long, detailed thing. And I've heard Brian Litz has a new book that I haven't read. And I've talked to other shooters about this phenomenon. And even two years ago when I mentioned testing the tuners, a lot of good shooters reached out to me privately and said, you know, we, you know, we're, we're, yeah, you could see the group size change, but it's not repeatable. So I started doing repeatability tests. And none of the tuner tests that I ever did was I able to replicate them after taking the tune, you know, to take the tuner off, go back to the beginning, and then just shoot the same thing identically over again. The results never overlapped. So um, <clears throat> something something is happening, but it's not repeatable. And so the device itself on the end has a mass. The mass is fairly consistent, but the tuner itself, like I think, you know, there people. I, I don't have the money or the interest to continue to explore that. But I can tell you this: one of the first times that I saw and shot a tuner, a guy that that's you know pretty well-known shooter was shooting and he's trying to tune his ammo and it's out of tune and it's not shooting good and he's freaking out like doing this test and he's shooting 10 20 30 40 50 rounds trying to tune it he can't tune it and he asked me hey will you tune will you shoot it and I shot it and my group was really tiny it was like quarter inch you know four shot group or something like that like you know very small group and I looked at his groups and they were big and all over the place and and uh, he's like okay great you know it's tuned and, and I was like, okay, wait a minute. You know, we just, it was on the same setting, but our group sizes were much different based on how we how we shoot. And um, there's like, yeah, yeah. I just want to make sure that it, you know, it's good. It's like, wait a minute. That's that variation was it was big enough where you know it, it was like you know from an inch to a quarter inch, um, and nothing nothing was changed on the setting of the tuner. And so I think that you know there's a lot of things obviously that can change the tune or change the group size on paper at 100. And so this isn't about hating on tuners because I own four or five of them, and I'll probably still use them as mass devices. Some of them have brakes on them, and I really, really like the TMB brake that has it's a tuner on it. Um, but, but the brake on it is phenomenal. It's very heavy on the end of the barrel, but I love it. I think it's great. Um, I have a Cortina tuner brake, and it's got you know it's got a brake on it. So why not use it as a brake? I'm just not going to tune it because it's just it's literally never tuned a load um, out of the spec that it would have without anything on the end, repeatably, and and after potentially thousands of rounds testing these things. Um, the repeatability is very important, and the repeatability was not there. So, circling back, shoot factory ammo, I don't think about it, right? I'll fly across the country, get a case of ammo, chronograph it, and do a match, and not even think twice about how they developed it. I'll grab the same ammo from a different lot, and it'll be 60 feet per second different. 100 feet per second different. Don't think about it. I change the parameters and I go. Everything's fine. So a lot of what the matches that, that I participate in, the targets aren't extremely small, right? They're probably two MOA 
a one and a half MOA, probably small, and two MOA on average. So you got a lot of flexibility in there. Is if your ammo, if you can shoot an inch, you're pretty good to go. If you have good wind reading skills, and obviously the parameters are different, and the people that are at the very high end, there are some differences that can cost one point, and oftentimes at the very top of some of the matches that are very competitive, it does come down to one shot. So I was thinking, well, this year at a couple matches ranking was determined by one shot. In fact, two second place were second place because somebody else shot one more point than I did. That Well, statistically, let's say we go to a match, <clears throat> that one shot, who knows why it was, right? Because there was a lot, I never cleaned a match, so there was a lot of opportunities to make up one point. Maybe factory ammo could do it, but I don't know. So I bought a bunch of brand new brass I, for multiple calibers. I bought a bunch of bullets. I got powder. I got all the components. I have all the reloading stuff. And I thought, I'm going to just do a test. And instead of shooting factory ammo, if I can make the loads, I have, I have the data from all of my matches and all the factory ammo. If I could make it a certain percentage better, such that potentially I could justify this could possibly get me you know, two, three, four more points. Uh, If I do everything right, I should be able to measure or see a difference. I'm not talking about trying to do a one hole hole load that takes a lot of, of tuning. It's just if you have good components, the idea was, you know, try to try to just make it slightly better than factory. So now, after multiple years of being exposed to this and seeing all of the variety of load development, seat death tests, you name it, everybody's doing crazy stuff and spending hundreds and hundreds of rounds testing this stuff. I've gotten to know a lot of good shooters pretty well, and a lot of the very good shooters load to a speed. They don't do seat death tests. They don't do component tests. The shit, they barely do anything, right? Morgan King just cleans his brass, or he doesn't even clean it. He, he sizes it, cleans it, loads it, right? He didn't do anything other than that, and he loads it to a charge that he knows is a speed. Chad Heckler, same thing, loads to a speed. Um, and so... A lot of good shooters, whether they're they're making it public or not, it's not a secret, but a lot of them just load to a speed and they call it good. And I heard about this when I started shooting because there were some of the very top shooters said the same thing. And I kind of scratched my head and I didn't really believe them. But now, years later, I realized that a lot of people just don't have the time to do that, the interest in do that because they just want to go shoot and they don't want to have to deal with it. So they say, okay, this is the charge that gets me that speed. If they load, and let's say they're aiming at 2,800 feet per second for a 105, which is a pretty average speed, it, it could go faster, it could go slower, but they say, okay, I'm going to shoot at 2,800 feet per second. It's got good ballistics in that window. If you load it at 2,850, it does nothing for your wind. It does nothing for just about anything, so why not just shoot it at 2,800? So they aim at 2,800, they figure the charge that's 2,800, make sure that it groups, but not... In an, in an extreme way, right? They're, they're looking at, you know, a good chambered barrel in a BR, a Dasher, BRA, six Creedmoor, or whatever, should be under half an inch, right? In fact, 
I even heard a couple top shooters say that if they got a new barrel and they put in any charge and it shot bigger than a third of an inch, they would take the barrel off and not use it. So they're pointing towards the fact that a lot of the group sizes that you're expecting to see is coming from the chambering job and the barrel itself. So if you have a good barrel and a smith did a good chamber job, at least the hypothesis that a lot of these guys are running with is it's going to shoot a third of an inch. Cool. Yes, I have seen factory guarantee 3H ants be complete dog shit from manufacturers personally. And I was told by one of them that I need to learn how to hand load if I expect it to meet that guarantee, even though their guarantee was for factory ammo. It didn't even come close to that. But nowadays, we should be able to get a chamber job from a good match barrel that should be able to shoot, I want to say, half inch or better, right? And so that, that was the, that's the hypothesis going in on this. So what I'm doing, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring in experts, and I could be totally wrong. When, when, when we talk specifics, I'm going to bring in experts, and I'm going to have those experts talk about the specific things that I want to ask them about because I don't have the experience and the, the knowledge and the education on the rifle smithing and some of the um, stuff that goes into the details of how, why, what, when, where, so on and so forth. I'm just telling you guys what my plan is. Now, you might be screaming at this, and I'm not telling you to, to follow me at all. I'm telling you just you know, what I'm going to do because I'm going to be posting stuff not, um, not about load development, but you know, I'm shooting this bullet at this speed, and that's it. I'm, gonna, I'm not even picking a seating depth. In fact, my, my Creedmoor, my 6.5 Creedmoor that I just, you know, I'm trying to get the barrel broken in and up to speed, um, when I, uh, I took a once fired, fired piece of brass, I put some Loctite inside the neck and I put a, put a, put a bullet in it and then I chambered it so that the bullet would kind of meet resistance on the lands and then Loctite into the neck of that fired piece of brass so that I could have an idea of what the, the jump is, what the lands were. Not that I planned on doing a jump test, but I think it's it's a good data point to know. And I had seen uh, a, a shooter do that before, where rather than putting in the calipers, they they just put a piece, they just put a, a once fired piece of brass because the neck expands, bullet in it, Loctite in the neck, put it in there, let it sit for a few minutes, pulled it out. Now they know where the lands are. It, that was so much farther than my magazines that, you know, I want to say it was about a quarter inch too long for my magazine. So what I did was I put a, a bullet in a piece of brass and I just kept seating it further and further and further until I saw a visible gap between the spacer and the front of my magazine, right in the bullet. And I don't know, I want to say it's about a quarter inch. I didn't measure it, but it, it's, it, you know, it's a very big difference in length. So I set my seating die to be able to fit into my magazine. The jump is you know, humongous, a quarter of an inch or something, or maybe, maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe it's not quite a quarter of an inch, but it, it's, it's a big visible space. Um, and then I put in a powder charge. My goal for the 6.5 Creedmoor shooting 140s was, is, is around like 2750, between 2750 and 2800. I haven't decided but if the barrel's new and I shoot for 2750, when it's sped up, I'm going to be around 2,800 feet per second. So that, that's kind of where I'm going to 
you know, try to aim my speed thing. People shoot them faster and people shoot them slower. The factory ammo that I shot was always in that range. In the 140 range, I sometimes had over 2,800 feet per second and sometimes I had up to about 2,700 feet per second. So kind of in that window. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick a velocity. I'm going to load to that velocity. And, and that's it. I'm not going to um, go up two tenths, down two tenths. I mean, the only reason I'm going to add or take away is once I pick a speed, I'm going to stick with that speed. So, so let's say just for shits and giggles, I pick 2750. If I put in powder, the, the last test that I did, I was at um, 20, 2680. So I'm going to add half a grain to a grain more and see if I'm at 2750. If I'm above or below it, I'm going to take it off or I'm going to add to it so that I hit 2750. And then I'm going to call it good. I'm going to do the same thing for my BR. I'm going to go for 2,800 feet per second with 105s. And um, I'm not going to do anything fancy one way or the other. I'm just going to shoot how it shoots at that speed. And I'm going to assume that it's going to shoot better than factory ammo in terms of group size. But I get some good groups with factory ammo. Uh, my goal isn't necessarily the group size, but whether I could do my craft drill and shoot an inch. My standards are, are an inch uh, positionally. So... Yeah, it helps to have a small group because then your margin of error. But if I can handle the rifle and shoot an inch in my craft drill, I'd be totally psyched. If the load itself shoots half inch or better, I'll be, I'll be totally psyched. I'm not going to play around with seating depth. I'm not going to play around with charge. I'm just going to try to maintain that one speed that I pick for the life of the barrel and run with it. And so that's my kind of load development, if you want to call it, test. And it's and it's the standards that I'm going to maintain. And I'm only going to do that um, because I'm going to try to outshoot the factory ammo in 2023 as I do the four kind of major disciplines, just enough to maintain, um, you know, my skill sets across those because I don't have any other really, really big goals. I think it would be fun to see how this goes. Now, if it shoots, you know, an inch and a half or an inch, I might try a different barrel. Um, and I might have to come on here and say, you know, doing that type of loading didn't work for me, but it's fun for me to do that, to say, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to stick to these parameters. This is how I'm going to clean things. This is how I'm going to, I'm going to clean my barrels about every three or 400 rounds. Um, and, I'm going to uh, clean the chamber and I'm going to clean the barrel, you know, as clean as I can possibly get every three or 400 rounds. I'm going to measure the life and I'm going to maintain a tracking on the speed and how the powder charge, if it has to be adjusted over the life of the barrel to maintain that particular speed uh, for the, and, and, and the speed is going to be based on the bullet weight and the parameters of the competition in unknown distance locate range and engage competitions, it helps to have a bullet that gives you a little bit more danger space. So the bullet, if it goes a little bit faster, um, if it's a little lighter going a little bit faster, a lot of times the elevation, you know, they, you know, is what, what people sometimes say is flat, but what, what that gives you is a little bit more error in terms of range precision. And so I might lean towards something like that, but I'm not going to do it based on, um, you know, the, the, the data and the number on, um, you know, these load development tests. It's just going to be a speed bullet ratio that's in the safe zone for the particular cartridge. I'm not going to hot rod them. I'm not going to undercharge them. I'm just going to go in the safe zone 
at a specific speed. If I want a bullet that goes fast, I'll change the cartridge, right? If I want a 30 caliber bullet going 3,000 feet per second, I'm going to get a Magnum. If I want, uh, you know, something else, I'll, I'll shoot a different caliber for that bullet. But I'm going to try to be in the safe zone or what I think is the safe zone. Uh, nothing fancy. And I'll be looking, hopefully, for small groups. And I think that the group size is going to be at least, right, what, what I've heard and what I've seen is if the smith is good and the barrel's good, the groups will be good. And so... I'm going to try to do that. And then I'm going to try to do the volume of shots so that there is statistical data that, that we could look at afterwards. But we're talking about at the end of the life of the barrel, not now, right? I'm not going to do two, three, four shot um, velocity numbers or seating depth numbers or whatever numbers and try to show that number. I'm going to do, I'm going to take, I'm going to chronograph, you know, 12 to 20 shots for speed. And I'm going to do that every, Every time after every time I clean it, right before and after I clean it for the life of the barrel, and and um, that's that. So anyway, I, I did share like a five shot group of the one forties that I put in there is just a you know try to figure out where my speed is because I had no freaking idea. I'm using N one fifty for the one forty burgers in La, Virgin Lapua brass. Um, I don't know what my seating depth is. I don't know, uh, but I did use um, 37.6 grains, and the 140s were going just under 2,700 feet per second. So I'm going to add maybe half another, maybe another half a grain or something like that to get to 2,750, and then hopefully, um, when I, you know, I'm, I'm at a, I'm at about 100 rounds. So hopefully, in the next 100 rounds, that charge that's at 2,750 might go to it might speed up a little bit and I might just keep it at that and just run with it, but I might not. And, um, you know, the group was, was good. So I'm not, but I'm, but that's all I'm going to do. And I'm going to share that. Um, and I'm not going to make, even though this is kind of a long winded explanation of what I'm going to do, that's just what I'm going to do for ammunition. Unless I run out of something or I need to get factory ammo last minute for a competition. Now, when I shoot my carbines next year, I'm going to use probably factory burger ammo. Because um, it's good, it shoots well, and most of the carbine competitions, you you get follow up shots, and so it's not not as much weight's put on that first round impact. Uh, but the the factory burger ammo shoots as well as I hand load anyway. So if if I could get that, I probably would shoot that anyway instead of doing this load stuff. But it's been hard to find, so I'm going to do this as my source of ammunition for 2023. And I thought it would be pretty cool to talk about because of a lot of the misinformation that's online and a lot of the craziness that you see out there about what people are doing for loads and tuning and this and that. And a lot of it just turns out to be um, head scratching. And I don't necessarily have an answer to explain what some of the things that we're seeing or where they're coming from. And that's why I might want to bring in some experts. But I want to see people that... If, if you can do it and you share your recipe with me, it's going to work the same for me. And a lot of times people revert back to, well, you know, you got it's your barrel and your ammo and, and this combination of this and you got to figure it out for whatever. And, 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 and yet there's a, a subset of people who have the best performance at matches that don't do any of that and it still works for them. And so I want to really put the finger down on 
when we have performance expectations and we set criteria and we're on a path from point A to point B, right? What's, what's the minimum amount of stuff that we can do to be effective at achieving that goal so that we have time and energy for other things, right? The minimum effective dose to get a response in the favorable direction, have that be repeatable and repeatable all the time. I want to put my finger on what is causing hiccups for people and what are people putting kind of blind trust into. I think right now there's a lot of blind trust in a lot of things. Hopefully we'll be able to talk about most of those over the next few months. But for now, it's putting my money where my mouth is and saying, this is how I'm going to load. Let's see how it performs. And I'm going to do it with multiple calibers so that it's not just a luck thing. Like, oh, you just happen to load in a node or you happen to find a good whatever. Like, I don't want it to be that. I want it to be um, more specific right? and not exclusive of anyone. And so, but I also want it to be helpful. And when people are saying, you know, I'm doing all these tests and I'm spending hundreds of rounds and I'm doing all this other stuff, trying to point them in a direction where they can get something that's repeatable and reliable so that they can focus on their goals and not focus on the equipment. Because a lot of the equipment is using sales strategies and marketing strategies and peer pressure and weird um, stuff that really isn't doing what you think it's going to do. So I want to, I want to, I want to double down here and, uh, work it out. So this is a short episode, but I got a lot of messages on Facebook and messages on Instagram. When I posted that picture in my story, what are you doing? How are you doing? Or I've heard about that. Or did you hear this? Or did you do this? Or did you do this? I'm just saying like, man, you know, I've heard a lot of things too, but I'm doing the minimum the very minimum amount of work to see if there's any difference doing this to, than to the other things that I've seen. And if I've seen those other things, I want to see the volume at a high enough level and the repeatability at a high, high enough level that if somebody sent me their barrel and their powder and their bullets and their tuner and I followed their protocol, I would see the same group size shifts open and small and open and small, assuming that I had the level of shooting ability that they have. But when it comes down to people pointing fingers and saying, well, you don't, you know, you just aren't good enough at this, or you just aren't good, or you need this, or you need that. And it's like, man, that's garbage, right? Because really we want to shoot. And shooting means that we have an expectation for our rounds and a capability of delivering them. And you should know that on paper. And that, I'm going to go back to that. Like, I know I can shoot pretty good groups, not the best, but when I take those pretty good groups and I run a positional standard craft drill, I should be shooting an inch from my point of aim, right? Or, or a half an inch up, half an inch down, half an inch left. Half, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much filling up that colored orange diamond. Sometimes maybe it's an inch and a quarter, but, but it shouldn't be much different. So whatever I'm shooting, I should be in that zone and it doesn't matter if, if it doesn't do that, then something's wrong. And so that's going to be the standard that I evaluate myself on and report how things are going. But other than that, it's not going to be very fancy. I'm not going to, there is no more explanation on what I'm doing. It's very, very simple. Just 
put a bullet in it, make sure it fits in your mag, load it to a safe speed with a safe pressure for for the rifle that you've got. And if you've got a good barrel chambered by a good smith, it should fucking shoot good, right? Just like a scope. Like you should be able to see the shit you're trying to look at when you dial up six mils. It should fucking dial up six mils. And... And, and when you dial back to zero, it should go back to zero. And when you shoot paper at 100, it should be where your zero was. And when you dial up six mils, it should be at the distance that you, you know, have. I mean, it's very straightforward. And my expectations for equipment and me are that that happens when I want it to, where I want it to. And so uh, that, that, that's where we're going from, from here on out. So I'll share from time to time the load speeds. And, and, but... but any other specifics, I'm going to bring people on. And what I expect to do is bring on some good, reputable smiths and some good, reputable people that are involved in measuring bullets and, and, and stuff like that and talk about some of the variables that do matter and some of the variables that you could run into, some of the pitfalls that you can run into when you're shooting that can cause problems. But otherwise, I think that we need to have good equipment and that equipment needs to be formative particular standard and our standards of expectation should be when we put in a bullet it should shoot a pretty good group uh if we know how to shoot and in that regard um it's pretty straightforward right you don't need a black belt or a certain wizard number or you know you don't need to put on your cloak of invisibility to be able to do whatever right you should this should be a transferable skill from one shooter to the next Anyway, I've been ranting on and on, and I'm just kind of mumbling and jumbling now. But it's late, and I just felt like, gosh, I should just put this on a podcast. Let everybody know that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. It's very simple. I'm going to shoot my 140s at 2750 to 2800, depending on what it speeds up to. What it speeds up to, I'm going to settle on it. I'm going to shoot my BR at 2800. Um, I'm going to mess around with some other things, and uh, I'll report on the safe speeds that those are going to be in. But I'm just going to load the speed and shoot it. If it shoots better than factory, then I'm going to take it to competition. And if it doesn't, I'm going to say, hey, look, you know, when I did this, it didn't shoot better than factory and uh, try to figure out how to make it that way and see if there's anything else that's actually important in that development process. But uh, it's probably going to just start with different bullet weights and, and those speeds if I have to do any of that. And I don't know, but it's going to require... Uh, volume and repetition to convince me to, to change that stuff. And so I'm going to share that with you guys rather than just add to the uh, nonsense that's out there. Let's say, let's start at the base. Let's strip everything away and build from the base up some stuff that we can fall back on and rely on. So till next time.